welcome to the Property Ponderings podcast, your go-to source for valuable property education tailored for those seeking an ideal real estate home or investment within Victoria, Australia. I'm your host, Craig Nickel, founder of Nickel Buyer Advisory, and I'm here to share over 15 years of industry experience with you, and I do spend my time buying properties for people. Today, we're going to be talking about 10 property tips for buying your next property to go from good to great and ensure that you get the outcome that you want. So let's get straight into it. Number one, get very clear about what you're trying to achieve by buying your property. Very boring start, I know, but it's very important to get clear with your goals and understand what is your ultimate goal when you're buying a property. The two most obvious questions would be, is it a home or investment? Uh, But things do get more complicated when you think about is it going to be a home to start with and then you're going to rent it out later or the reverse, is it going to be an investment that you do move into eventually and then there's other variables, are you going to renovate it at some stage, Uh, will you be selling it quite shortly to move to something else, all of these things impact on the decisions that you make. Um, another important consideration is you buying for capital growth or cash flow as an investment. Um, this will change where you're looking quite dramatically. Um, so those those considerations and getting as clear as possible as you can early on is really important, but we all understand that life doesn't pan out exactly as expected. So you know, do your best, but it's important that you give some thought to this because this can change Um, the way things pan out quite dramatically. Um, A lot of people do make property decisions in or without the proper consideration to, you know, that you should be putting in with such a large purchase. And those mistakes can cost you a large amount of money, especially if you have to sell quite quickly. Stamp duty, we know, is an enormous cost. Um, So, you know, that's one thing. But think about as well if you're if you're buying something for the longer term and um, you end up purchasing something that's suitable now but not down the track um, and the capital growth on it's quite poor. So if that's something that is quite common we see with people buying their first properties. They're just trying to get into the market and by doing so they can be impatient and they buy what they can with the budget they have at the time and that can lead them to maybe buy a unit or a townhouse or apartment that maybe doesn't do as well as it should and that can have quite a dramatic impact and underperformance on your first property can mean that getting into your next one especially in the same area if it's a nice area that that has been growing um, trying to move into a bigger family home you could find there's an enormous gap and your property hasn't moved as much or anywhere near as much as the homes in the area have and that can get yourself in um, in a very difficult situation where you know you have to have to move from an area that you've established yourself and wanted to live in for the rest of your life. So that's number one. So let's get really clear about what you're looking to buy. Number two is to understand your budget really early in the process. So talking to a bank, talk to a finance broker, understand how much you can borrow and get a pre-approval in place. It's really important because a lot of people spend their time uh, searching, looking for properties, inspecting properties, getting really um, emotional about properties, but they don't know how much they can spend exactly. Then when push comes to shove, they need to make an offer potentially or start looking more seriously at properties and they can't do anything because the finance they found out is going to take a while or the finance is not going to be able to allow them to borrow what they require to purchase a property. 
And on the flip side as well, you might be able to borrow a lot more than you think. And if that's the case, um, then you could be looking in the wrong market and you could be buying something a lot better without as much um, compromises. So that's really important. The other really important thing about getting your finances ready is to make sure that you have the confidence to bid as well. If you're not necessarily bidding at auction, but putting in an offer, if you do have a good relationship with your broker and your bank or whoever's lending you the money, knowing that you have the confidence to be able to get that loan um, gives you the confidence to be able to put in a strong offer. The other important part with being prepared with your finances is being able to make offers that don't have subject to finance. And by no way am I saying that everyone should do offers subject to finance as um, every person's case is different. But if you do have that approval in place and the bank and the broker is giving you a lot of confidence that you can borrow a lot more than what you might be placing in your offer, putting in a strong offer without the subject to finance can put you in a better position as well. So get really clear on your finances. Tip number three is to look into the pricing and getting to know the pricing within a location really, really well. Once you've picked that location where you're buying that home or investment, you need to know the pricing so that you're not paying too much. Obvious, I know, but it's very time consuming. People dip in and out of the market. A lot of people don't buy properties very often. So if you're coming into the market every 7, 10, 20 years, and then you expect to know the market inside out after looking at five properties and looking at a few sales on realestate.com.au, then I think you're kidding yourself. You need to get into the market, go and inspect for weeks, for months, a lot of similar properties, understand what people are paying um, for when there's, say, a pool, when there's no pool, or when it's renovated, unrenovated, weatherboard, brick, different styles within your area. So really getting to know the pricing on those properties is really significant. So you have the confidence um, to pay the right price later on, um, but it also also limit the, the impact of paying way too much for a property or not not understanding the pricing of a location very well and then maybe looking in an area for ages and not really knowing that you can't actually afford that area. Um, so great resources for this is the easiest is realestate.com.au, domain.com.au. Let's look at those free resources to be able to see some of those prices. Depending which area you're in, some of those prices can be undisclosed a lot of the time, which makes things more difficult. So you do have to then use paid resources such as RP data um, and property data to be able to actually um, see see some of those prices because sometimes they're the ones that you really need to see so you know what it's sold for and sometimes they're the best comparables. If you don't have access to that yourself, then you can get someone that does have access. We do use RP data and backend resources a lot. So property buying tip number four is to get to know your locations inside and out. So things such as where does everyone within the suburb like to live? Um, a lot of suburbs are quite large, so you have to think about the different parts of the suburb. And, and being a sales agent for a number of years, I did notice that a lot of people would come into an area thinking that it ticked a lot of their boxes and maybe they have family that live there or there's some sort of pool. They come into the area and they just have to buy into that postcode or suburb and they end up buying in the worst part of the suburb because they don't know that a suburb has maybe four or five different zones. Um, so a suburb that I worked in a lot was Ivanhoe in Victoria, and that one had four or five different areas, um, and it's a very large suburb, you know, five, six, seven thousand homes. It's hard to keep track with the growing apartments, but 
their zones in the area are very different. West was different to South Ivanhoe um, near Ivanhoe Grammar School, and there was little intricacies that you need to know. And so when you're buying into a buying into an area, you really need to look into that. And it's the same whether it's a home or whether it's an investment. So you might want to live in a particular part of the suburb, but as an investment, chances are that the people that you're buying for as well are also looking for for easy access to the schools or the shops or or a particular park or they're trying to steer clear of a particular area within the suburb. So all of these things need to be considered and you need to know the location inside and out. Um, it, is, it is significant. One postcode is is not all the same across the board just like australia is not the same property market across the board within suburbs there are streets and even within streets there are different aspects and different parts of the street that are worth a lot more so you can't just make up assumptions um, those assumptions could mean that you end up buying a property that you think you got a bargain for but everyone that knows the area well knows that that particular part of the street isn't worth as much or you know for whatever reason so you really need to think and put in time to get to know that the other really important thing to think about is where is council putting all their money in, all their investment, where are developments coming up, what is changing within an area. So research is required as well to get to know a particular location. There are a lot of suburbs within the middle ring, inner ring of Melbourne where you have major developments that are coming up. They're not necessarily obvious exactly what's going on. There might be a large site that you, that you don't think about, but there could also be a large site that is you know, that's currently functioning as something else, another commercial building, or maybe it's just some residential houses, but you don't know that that's about to turn into something big, maybe something commercial, you don't know. So doing some research on that is included in this step to make sure that you know the area and the location that you're about to buy into to save yourself from buying next to something or buying um, buying near something or something that may impact your property that you're about to buy in a negative way. Um, you can't cover off on everything. We don't know what what's coming up um, exactly and what are in people's thoughts that own properties nearby, but you can do your best to use free resources to find more information, which I'll cover later in, in this podcast. Property buying tip number five is to ensure that you know the property type. So we've talked about location, we've talked about pricing, and now this is the property type. What property type is the most desirable within an area? Now, this can sort of inform us in different ways. So if we're talking about property type, we could be talking about you know, units, um, what type of units, apartments, villa units, townhouses, um, and then what sort of houses are in the area, what are the ratios, are there a lot of houses, are there not a lot of units, um, are there more units coming up? So that's sort of the breakdown of property type. Knowing that can help investors uh, more so. Um, so you know that if there's a scarcity of houses, buying houses in an area where there's only units being developed is is great. And there's green belt estates where there's just houses being built, uh, where a unit may be more attractive. Uh, but the the point being that that makeup can impact how investors are, and that's about knowing your property type within an area. Um, the bigger example is in Melbourne, there's been thousands and thousands of units or apartments that have been built. Um, in the last 10 years especially. I know there's been some ups and downs and more recently a bit of a slowing, but that's meant that you know, there's a huge oversupply of apartments within Melbourne. And my evidence for that would be that prices on a lot of those apartments have barely moved um, or gone backwards. A lot of units that I sold 
or apartments, should I say, have gone backwards um, in that time when I was selling them and it didn't take long either. So, um, which is a whole nother video, but that's just an example as well, knowing your property type in Melbourne, knowing that there's not that, well, there's a lot of apartments, but then you might go to a different state and there's fewer apartments. So you might not have that same drag on price. Um, so again, that's probably more of an investor thing. But also the property type, let's think about on a local level um, when we're looking at the styles of property. So, you know, commonly you've got Californian bungalows, you've got Victorian terraces, Edwardian properties, um, you know, less commonly in a lot of areas, Queen Anne and arts and crafts. And then you've got um, 1950s brick homes and you've got clinker brick and art deco, 70s and 80s and 90s and more modern homes as well. So what's the makeup in the area? What's the most desirable for people? Um, you know, Melbourne has a big thing about the emotional pull of a lot of those inner city, um, inner city mainly, some into the middle, dipping into the middle rings where you have a lot more period homes. And that's a big pull. Some suburbs have more Californian bungalows. Some have um, more Edwardians. Right in the inner city, you can see more Victorian terraces. So, you know, that those are quintessentially um, or quintessential in that area. And people are attracted to buying those particular homes. So if you see a 70s property and it's in an inner, inner city suburb, uh, it might not be as attractive um, so you have to be aware that a property type is going to impact the price of a property. So don't don't assume that because you have the same land size and the the house is just as renovated as each other, the property style is not going to matter. Like it, it matters, and you need to be really aware of that. And I know that's obvious for some people, but but it's something that is overlooked. And I've seen a lot of people make mistakes. Um, buying a property on a street where it's fully lined with period homes and a person purchases a home on that street which is not a period home and then thinks they got a bargain and there's a reason why they got a bargain because it's not as attractive to buyers as those other properties on the street. That's why tip number five is so important, understanding your property types and um, making sure that you're buying the right sort of property type for an area, home buyer or investor, I think it's just important. We both know that when we move forward and you buy a property that in the future you want maximum capital growth and that's why the property type is essential. Once you've found your property that you're looking to purchase, this is where buyer tip number six comes in and this is to use and maximize your free and paid for resources to complete your due diligence on the property. The more obvious ones are solicitors and conveyances to ensure that the contract in section 32 that you are um, or that's relevant to the property that you are purchasing is um, is all okay. So ensuring that there aren't easements or restrictive covenants that are on the property that are going to impact the use, um, ensuring that there's permits for, for decks or um, for a new pergola or an extension because you're the one that's going to have to pay for that later if it does become an issue with a neighbour or council. And I've certainly seen a lot of disputes in my time about this sort of stuff and it can greatly impact a sale and there's nothing worse than moving into a new property and then finding out that there's all these issues that you have to deal with, which is the opposite of what you were dreaming when you purchased your new home. The other really big one is owner's corporation. So understanding where the owner's corporation is at with potential issues within a, an apartment or a townhouse um, owner's corp. So understanding that 
they have money in their maintenance fund, what issues have been mentioned at minutes that in the minutes that may be coming up very shortly, um, you know, replacements of roofs, replacements of the cladding on an entire building we know has been a big one. So all of these things should be mentioned within the minutes and you can obviously look at the fees as well to see what's going on and see what insurances are being paid or any other red flags that might be included within there. There's there's a plethora of things that need to be covered here, but solicitors and conveyances are a paid resource, unless you've got a good friend, um, to, to be able to leverage off to make sure that you don't make mistakes. The other one is a building and pest inspector. Getting that building and pest inspection, whether it's before or whether it's a condition on the contract, just to make sure that you're not buying a dud. So things can look great on the outside, we know, but on the inside and under all the makeup, there can be um, there can be blemishes and there can be major issues, uh, whether that's major structural issues or whether it is some sort of termite termite infestation that is starting to occur. There's things that can be there that you need a good building inspector to point out so that you can run away as quickly as possible if the issues can't be fixed. So that's a couple of paid resources. We know other things can be accountants or financial planners, people that are going to be a part of your financial decision making or potentially influence how how, um, your property buying occurs. But certainly the building and pest inspector and the conveyancer or solicitor is an important one. Um, to start with is paid resources. One of the great free resources that I use is mapshare.vic.gov.au. This is a spatial mapping tool from the Victorian government, and this includes information on property zoning, overlays, um, council land, uh, contours, uh, proposed projects that that are about to be titled and subdivisions that could occur. So all of this information is pretty up to date and it's really good. It does have some dimensional tools on there as well, but this is all free and easy, especially if you don't have the Section 32 yet and you're just trying to get some access to information to see if there are issues that that might come up, Um, especially with, with overlays and planning scheme. You can see where adjacent properties may be zoned differently, which is going to potentially be a red flag for future development right next to you or future very high density development nearby to you or it can also trigger cultural heritage management plans that need to be done before you might um, move forward with a potential development on the site or a build of some sort and then another resource naturally connected to that would be council websites which have planning applications that are being advertised and ones that have been approved recently just to see what's going on nearby um, this can can have a detrimental impact, especially if your neighbour is doing something quite significant where you could have a look at the plans and then see if it is going to impact you and uh, or not. So you know, the plans next door might be quite good, which I've seen in the past where someone's built um, a new house next door and you know, it's a single level house. It's a great house to be next to. So you don't have to worry about maybe a high density development that you were concerned about. Another free resource is to use the Melbourne School Zones website, which gives you information on public um, schooling, secondary, primary, and some specialist schooling as well. We know that this is a big factor in Melbourne and can lift prices dramatically if you are within or with outside of a zone. So knowing that is essential when you're looking to buy a property because I know that some agents from the sales side can be a little bit loose with whether you're in the zone or not when you're looking at a property. So you should be doing your own due diligence to see if you are actually in the zone. 
and by how much um, because you may lose that privilege in the future as well. So getting, you know, getting a good understanding of where you where that property sits uh, within within a zone can be really helpful. Another free resource which I recommend is just using Google. Look up the property suburbs that you're looking in. Um, this this could be a case where you're moving into something completely new. You don't know the location very well. This could be an investment or it could be a home, and you need to do more. Um, more research on you know what goes on in the suburb, what's happening, what's happened in the past. You can't believe everything that you see, so I implore you to think critically about what you're actually uh, reading or watching on there. But um, there, there's some really good information um, about um, about the suburbs and what people love about the suburbs, what they don't like about the suburbs. I know homely.com. .au, I'm assuming it's .au, is, um, is one where they have people review their own suburb. I personally don't know how effective that is if people are trying to talk up their own suburb, but there's some good information in between um, if you read in between the lines about you know what they love about the suburb and, and, um, and what they do there, which parts are great to live in. And this could be vital information. You could find out that the place you're about to buy in is the worst street in the suburb and everyone knows it. Or it could be the opposite. So so it's just, it's a free resource. It's additional research. All these things are, but these are layers of research that need to be done so that you limit your chance of making mistakes. And as I said at the start, going from a good property purchase to a great property purchase. A lot of this stuff can happen by luck. Um, or people already know the suburb well, which is a side thing, but if it happens by luck and they didn't do this research and then suddenly they find out that all of these things that I've previously mentioned align, well, that's great, but that doesn't happen for a lot of people and a lot of people rue their mistakes for many years because it's very difficult to overturn it when you have to sell and then pay all your stamp duty and do everything again. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm passing on these tips now. So buy tip number seven. So this one is about understanding once you do find that property, that specific property that you want to make an offer or bid at an auction, that you understand what the price is likely to be. Now, we know that people often flippantly talk about, you know, what's this worth and what's this? Like, we all know that nothing's really worth anything until there's a buyer that puts their puts their price on a contract and the property's actually sold. So this isn't about finding a price within you know the perfect um, range of you know within a couple of dollars like that's not possible but what you can do is find evidence to say that a property may be worth in within a certain range and what you can't do is to um, add a percentage or use a formula a lot of people in Melbourne there's a lot of auctions so they might add five or ten percent to the range and assume that that's the price um, you know, that's a really common one, especially in a hotter market, but it, it obviously does get a bit harder when it goes higher in price in a hot market, but none of those formulas are very effective and you need to go about doing your own independent research and not just looking at the quote or adding some percentage to the quote. And the other big thing is don't be using um, automatic real estate estimators on different portals because... Yes, it's great for areas where the houses are all exactly the same and they all sell for the exact same amount, but but they're all doing this estimate without seeing inside the house. Um, so it's completely irrelevant for a lot of properties. They don't know what the price really is, but they've created a range using, you know, again, they've used some formulas, but I don't think they're good enough to use at this stage. I think in the future they can get better, but until they don't have, until they meet the base step of actually seeing inside people's houses, then they can never be 
that effective. It's the same as a property council valuation. They never even go inside the house, so they don't know what things are worth, but yet people can take take that price as gospel and get really concerned about it. So it's not the way things work. What you need to do is do your own independent research. And as we've said, we've mentioned a few tools earlier. Look online at those real estate portals. Get the back-end data if you've got undisclosed properties. You have to go through these properties um, that you're comparing it to to see if they are actually comparable. And you have to take your emotions and push them to the side. And you have to make sure that you are um, assessing the property um, based upon the comparable parts of it. Is it the same is it the same um, house size, the same land size? Is it the same amount of bedrooms? Is it in the same condition? Is it the same aspect? Is it in the same part of the street? Often not. It's a different street. Which street's better? That's for another video about how to price a property. But you have to be doing this research by going and inspecting properties. If you can't see sold sales, as I said, that have um, that are online and they're easy to access to compare to, then you have to go to auctions to see what people are bidding on and then what they're bidding up to and then compare that to other things that you're looking at. You have to get um, your hands dirty and do some groundwork to to understand the price. Otherwise, again, you risk paying too much. Um, and, and that is ultimately where biggest mistakes can be made um, financially. So um, that is tip number seven. Tip number eight is to make sure that you understand how the process of the offer is going to work when you do have a property. So that might be sale by negotiation, sale by a set date, where there is a, a set date where you have to place your offer in, um, and then there's auction. So all of all of these different things, which I've only mentioned a couple, but everyone can interpret them a little bit different. Auction's a bit more clear cut, but the private sale by negotiation, if there's a set date involved, um, some people call them expressions of interest in the residential world um, of real estate and it doesn't work the same as commercial real estate. So you have to understand that this is all you know, a little bit different. You can't give the opportunity for the real estate agent to make up how the process is going to work on the fly to suit them. You have to get that up front. You know how it works. They know how it works. Then there's no there's no changing halfway. You know what's going to happen when you place your offer. It's going to be passed on to the vendor. If it's acceptable, then in a certain amount of time, they're going to maybe tell everyone, give them 24 hours, and then you've got the property if no one comes in with the offer. On the flip side of that, they might not give you an exact date or time when they get back to you. And suddenly it's been two days or three days and they haven't gotten back to you, um, but they've said the owners are still considering it. And then They've just been working other buyers in the background the whole time to try and get a better offer. So, you know, that's not favorable for you. Um, and you need to make sure that you understand that process up front. So at least there's some accountability for the agent and also allows you to plan your strategy. Buying tip number nine is to get really clear on your price, your settlement, your deposit amount, and all the other terms that you may have, including special conditions that you want to put in on your offer before you do so. Now, the situation when you place an offer may be that you're at an auction, so clearly understand the terms that you are bidding upon and the price that you will go to before the day. But when you're private sale and you're face-to-face -face with the agent, let's understand all the price and terms that you want beforehand so you're really clear about where you're going with your negotiation before it begins. You can't make it up as you go. You can't walk into the real estate agent's office and then they ask you what the settlement that you desire is and what the deposit is and, and then what conditions that you're allowed on there um, because you're already on the back foot. Get really clear about that 
early on. It may seem really basic, but that clarity will give you confidence when you're trying to make decisions under pressure and there's emotion involved. Now, the final tip, and it leads on from the last couple where we don't want to be underestimating the real estate agent. They are doing this every day. They negotiate every day on properties. We need to be as best prepared as we can be for the negotiation. And my tip number 10 is to remember that the real estate agent works for the vendor. So if they're giving you information about things, make sure that you're critically appraising it to ensure that it is correct. If they ask you or if they tell you that you know there is a permit for the deck, then get a copy of it. You've got to cover your backside because you're the one that's going to get hurt by listening to this um, other person tell you what's going on. And and we need to respect that they do this a lot as well. So they're constantly steering the conversation into a certain direction and leading the negotiation. So let's remember that they don't work for us and we need to do our own research. And that is what all of these steps are about, taking as much or arming yourself with as much information as you possibly can so that you know what is going on and you're in the best possible position to make decisions and buy the property that you need to achieve your outcome. I think a good way to look at it is to have a healthy skepticism, just like you would with anyone in your life about what they're saying to you. So you're thinking critically about everything and you can also double check things. Just a bonus tip for number 11 is to enjoy the journey. Make sure that you Try to enjoy all the inspections that you're going through. Um, you'll meet plenty of great people along the journey. You'll learn some lessons. Um, but buying a house is an exciting time. And that's why these 10 tips are so important because they give you an opportunity to potentially um, buy a really great property and have a much smoother process than you otherwise might if um, you did make some, some fairly big mistakes. So that's what these 10 tips are about. Thanks for listening and I hope this helps you um, to buy your next property with a little bit more of a smoother process um, and an excellent outcome. My name is Craig Nickel from Nickel Buyer Advisory. You can find out more information at nickelbuyeradvisory.com.au or feel free to follow my socials uh, which will be included in the information link on this podcast. Until next time, we'll speak soon. Follow Property Ponderings on Spotify or subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The information provided in this podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be considered as financial investment advice. The content is not tailored to any specific individual's financial situation, objectives or risk tolerance. Before making any investment decisions, it is essential to consult with a qualified financial advisor or seek independent financial advice that takes into account your unique circumstances. Any investments or financial decisions you make based on the information in this podcast are solely at your own risk. Podcast hosts and guests are not responsible for any financial actions taken as a result of the content presented. Always conduct your research and due diligence before making any financial investments.